Hey, good morning, everyone. Hey, we are uh, we're finishing up our, our our last message on a series called uh, "Just Looking at Truth," whether whether something is is true or or, or not. And we've we've delved into a lot of topics of can we trust the Bible, um, heaven and hell? Does everyone is it true that everyone goes to heaven? Um, last week, uh, Russell Eisen did a great job dealing with is true, true. Um, what is truth? And if you missed um, last week's messages, make, make, make sure you, you check that out. You can go to iTunes or our website um, and, and listen to that. And I, I you know, we, we live, how many of you know we live in a real information-saturated culture? I mean, I mean, whoever thought, I mean, you know, I'm, young 53-year-old buck, you know, whoever thought, I, I can remember the day when someone said, you know, I had my flip phone, and I remember hearing that they said, you're going to get all your information on your phone one day, all your music, information, and I remember thinking, this is how old I am, I remember thinking, they're crazy, really, everything on your phone, you know, this is, do you realize this is a computer, this is a basically you pay money for this. This isn't cheap. This is like a computer. It is a computer. And we live in this information-saturated uh, society. We live in a, we live in a sound bite world. We, we see um, things in small fragments. And, 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 and it's interesting, if you, if you look at media, you'll see this small soundbite or a quick video. And then um, we, we tend to make quick judgments, don't we? And, and the media tends to make quick judgments, uh, maybe without knowing um, the full story. How many of you ever posted something on, on social media only to discover later that that thing really wasn't true? Come on. I've see, I see your Facebook pages. I know some of you have done this, right? And then, um, and then all of a sudden we get our, our facts straight. We, we tend to jump to conclusions very quickly because we live in this, this information saturated society and we see this over and over again in, vi- in, in the media. We see a quick video clip. We make a judgment only to find out there's a lot more to the story. So we live in this media-saturated world. Do you realize that Google handles over 2 trillion searches a year? How many have ever Googled? How many you have no idea what Google is? Okay, you, okay. welcome to 2020. Okay, so if you break that down, it's 3.8 million searches a minute. A minute. And so we have this information at our fingertips. And, and that's why I desire to do this, this series because um, we, we want to look at commonly held beliefs to see if it holds water. And so now we have all this information. We can just Google it and, and see, well, is this true? How many have ever had a, a medical situation and the first thing you did was go to Google to figure it out? And then your doctor tells you, don't Google this, all right? Right? Um, we, we just have all this information. And so um, we're looking at things that we might consider true because that's what we've heard or that's what we Google because we know that everything on the internet is true. Um, and so many people believe um, things that may not necessarily be true. And, it, you know, just simple things like 
the, the, people may say, well, the Bible's full of contradictions. Um, and my response would always be, well, show me one. And many times they can't because they heard about it or they saw it on the History Channel or they uh, Googled it. Um, we, we, we've been looking at these things because I, I want us to understand that we can, we can know the truth because the Bible holds the truth for us. God's word and who God is, is truth. And we can stand on a firm foundation in our lives today. And so that's why we've delved into like the authenticity of the Bible. Does everyone go to heaven? Is that true? Is Satan real? Is heaven, uh, heaven and hell, is that real? Is that, a, is that a fantasy? And so make sure if you missed any of those messages, check those out because I believe they will really help you. But today... I really want to dive into a topic of, of purpose. What, what, is, what is the purpose of, of your life? And, and is it true that you can find fulfillment in your life by simply believing in yourself, by finding it within yourself? The topic of self-help is so popular today. We have all kind of books that can... That, that, that can help you to live your better life now, to become the best you, how to live your best life, how to become the best version of yourself. And we see this discussed not only in secular circles, but also in, in, in Christian circles. And um, I, I want to dive into this. Can we find fulfillment within ourselves? I remember years ago, uh, Saturday Night Live um, did this skit. It was pretty funny. It was called Daily Affirmations with Stuart Smalley. And if you guys remember that, um, and basically he was kind of a self-help guru. And what he would do is he would look in this full-length mirror before his show, before he'd interview somebody, and he would always say, I'm going to do a terrific show today. As he's looking in the mirror, he says, I'm going to help people because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. And so he would interview certain people. The best one he ever interviewed was Michael Jordan. That was a great one. And so you got Michael Jordan looking in the mirror and saying the same thing. I'm good enough and doggone it, people like me. So my question is, is, is that what it takes to be fulfilled? I, I just need to be me. I'm enough. I need just to love myself. These are all things that we hear in our society today. And, and, and the question I have is this. Can we tend to use those things as an excuse to justify our behavior and say, well, this is just the way I am. And we excuse this bad behavior in our life because we may just justify it by just saying, well, this is just the way I am. This is the way I've always am and, and, I, and I can't change. And I want us to have a correct understanding of ourselves, one that is not me-centered, but one that actually is Christ-centered. And I believe that Christ in us makes all the difference. That you can change. Some of you have been battling some habitual things in your life, some bad behavioral things, some anger, self-control, whatever that might be. And you've been striving, you know it's wrong, but this thing has been so self-defeating in your life. And, and some of you in, uh, that, uh, that are married, and you're close to your spouse, and, and you see these behaviors in your spouse, and many of you have just shut down because you're like, I, I don't want to bring this up with my spouse because it's such, a, it's such a sore topic, and every time it comes up, there's a big fight that ends up breaking out. Got real quiet in here. Did I touch a nerve right there? 
You know what I'm saying. And we're like, can, can we change? And I believe we can. But it can't come from within me. It's got to come from somewhere else. We, we, we've got to realize that in Christ, we can become new creations. That, that Christ in us can change those things that were deviant and dysfunctional in our life and change us to become like Christ. Here, here's the problem. If we start, here's the wrong premise with our world today. If we start with ourselves, we will always get ourselves in trouble. So the world's saying, first start with you. You got to love yourself. You got to do all this other stuff to, to allow yourself to change. But the problem is, is we're going to see in the word of God, we're going to see the problem is ourselves. So if you start with that premise of starting yourself, you're always going to get yourself in trouble. So having a correct understanding of ourselves is vital if we're going to get over our hangups in our life. So let, let, me, let me just give you a couple things here, some lies we tend to believe and how we can overcome those in our lives so that we can keep growing. How many know the biggest room in every house is the room for improvement? Can I get an amen? It's the biggest room in every house is that room for improvement. So how many know we all need improvement and we all can grow? So let me give you a couple things here of what not to trust. And it's going to go against our world's philosophy because this is what they're telling us to do. But the word of God is going to fly in the face of that. And I believe we can start with the right premise. We can truly begin to change and overcome some of the hangups in our lives. First of all, don't trust your goodness. Don't trust your goodness. Here's the lie. The lie is, I'm good enough. That's what you hear a lot. I'm good enough. But we have to understand that we are not good enough in ourselves. And this is, this is what many are saying. This is what many self-help gurus are saying. And, and I, I want to give you just a couple quotes here from a couple self-help guru people in our world today. And, and I believe this epitomizes the false notion of finding fulfillment within me. Peter uh, Devino says this, uh, kind of a self-help guru. He says this, do not look for happiness outside yourself. The awakened seek happiness inside. A lot of self-help gurus are saying. Uh, Rashan Sharma says this, on any given day, you will reach the state of realization. You will never find any other God except you. You are the God you are searching for, either externally or internally. Is this true? Is it within us? And I believe we need to have a correct understanding of who we are first, before we can change all the bad hangups that we have in our lives. Let me, let me read to you what the Apostle Paul says as he writes to the Romans. He gives us a clear understanding of who we are. And I believe when we can have this clear Christian worldview understanding of who we are, this will give us the leverage to move forward in Christ and to overcome a lot of the hangups that we have in our lives. Listen to what Paul writes to the Romans. He says this in Romans 3, starting with verse 23. He says, for everyone has what? Sinned. Everyone. Everyone has sinned, and we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalties for our sins. Somebody say amen. That's a lot of good news there. So what Paul's saying is we are sinners. We've fallen short of God's perfect standard, 
And through God's grace in sending his son, he set us free from ourselves. You can't start with yourself because we're not free within ourselves. We've got to start with Christ who sets us free. He says, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times, in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them and in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. So the way that we're made right The way that we overcome our rebellion and our sin is through the power of Jesus who sets us free. Paul later goes on in a couple chapters and listen to what he writes in Romans 5, starting with verse 8. He says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still what? Sinners. While we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So at the end of the day, we are not good enough within ourselves. We need a savior. This is the good news of the gospel, that Jesus came to rescue us from ourselves. That's where it has to start. Jesus came to rescue us from ourselves. If we depend on ourselves, we will perpetually be in this spiral of trying to do good, trying to do good, and then we make a mistake, and then we beat ourselves up, and that's not a good place to be. Jesus came to save us from ourselves. Here's another thing that we can't do, is we can't trust our heart. You can't trust your heart. How many of you have ever heard that? Just trust your heart. Well, what's your, what's your heart telling you, right? We, we hear that all the time. Here's the lie. The lie is, I just need to be me. This is who I am. I, I can't help it. Jeremiah gives us a really good understanding of our heart when he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Proverbs 16.25 said, there's a path before each person that seems right, but in the end is death. I don't know if I want to trust my heart there. See, our heart is bent on taking care of me. And it will always lead you astray. Don't trust your heart. That's why we have to give our hearts to Christ. We can't trust it. It will let us down. It will deceive us. Here's another thing. Don't trust yourself. And here's the lie. The lie is, I need to find myself first. Now, how many of you understand this? There is a huge gap between who we truly are and what we want to be. There's this huge gap between who we truly are and who we want to be. Now, let, let, me, let me just prove it to you. You want to take a little test here this morning? Let me give you a little test on why this is, is true. Um, so can we just all be honest with ourselves, me included? You guys ready? A little honesty test. Anybody out there? Anybody? Anybody? McFly? Anybody out there? Okay. So let, let's, let's be honest with ourselves. How, how many of you can admit, can admit, over the last couple of weeks or even month, that you ate something 
that probably wasn't good for you. Can we all be honest? Okay. So I'll be honest, okay? I have to admit, when we're on, in Puerto Rico for lunch one day, uh, uh, they would pack us a lunch, and in our lunch for that, for that day was Twinkies. I haven't had a Twinkie in like 40 years since I was in junior high school, right? And can I just tell you something? That Twinkie was good. It was... I was stealing other people's Twinkies. I mean, it was, it was good. So I, I, I'm with you there. So let's be really, really honest with you. That, that we know that we, we ate something that wasn't good for us. And, and how many of you know that you probably ate too much of that thing that wasn't good for you? All right. Just being honest, okay? Uh, how, how, many, how many of you can admit that you walked out of a bathroom without washing your hands? Yeah, I didn't see a lot of hands there. Yeah, yeah. Right? Just being honest. Remember, this. let's be honest with ourselves. There's a huge gap between who we truly are. We know what the right thing is, right? Don't we? We know what the right thing is, but yet we still eat the Twinkie. Right? Twinkies are going to make it through the millennial reign of Christ. All right? It's just like McDonald's French fries. You ever found one in the bottom of your car seat, and it's like three years old, and it still looks the same? And then you eat it and it still tastes the same, right? You know. You know. I have never, never done that, by the way. Just saying. Uh, I, how many of you admit that, that maybe I've uh, exercised less than I should have? Right? Okay, yeah, we're, we're there. Um, uh, here's one. How, how, how many of you... Uh, you know texting and driving's wrong, right? How many have done that? Now, don't raise your hand because we've got some police officers in our midst here today and they are taking names. Uh, listen, we, we can't trust ourselves, right? We, we can't trust ourselves. We, we need to actually do the opposite. Here's, here's what the world says. The world says trust yourself, find yourself, Look into yourself. You be the God. But we just realize that we can't trust ourselves. That trusting ourselves, we're always going to lead ourselves astray. Here's what's so different about Jesus. And so different about what we see in God's word. Instead of trying to find ourselves, what Jesus Christ tells us is to actually lose ourselves. You are not going to hear that in our world today. Jesus says, when you lose yourself, when you lose your life, then you will find it. This is, what's so, this is why I'm a follower of Jesus, because he's right. He's just right. And that's why he's Savior. That's why he's Lord, because he's right. And this is what we need to understand. We can't trust ourselves. We need to lose ourselves. I want you to listen to what Jesus says about this. Matthew records it for us in Matthew 10. He says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Listen, that's the first step in discovering who Jesus truly is and completely redirecting your life. It's not this bargaining chip or this compromise with God where, God, I'll give you a little bit, but then I want to I live a little bit on my own. It will never work. You will live a very frustrated life if you compromise with giving Jesus just a little bit. When we come to Christ 
and we call ourselves Christians or followers of Jesus. It's a laying down of my life, my wants, my desires, and taking up the cross of Christ and saying, okay, now I'm going to follow you, Jesus. What do you want for my life? It's a submission. It's obedience. And that's what will set you free. The reason why some of you are frustrated in your life or you don't feel free is because of obedience. There's a part of your life that you're still holding on to. And how many know we're all, we're, we're like onions that need to be peeled back. And, and there are areas of our life that God speaks to us that, that he needs to lay, that we need to lay down at his feet. And the reason why we're not set free is because there's certain things in our lives that we're still holding on to because we feel like that thing is what we truly need, but it's just an idol. That's all it is. And we think those are our old patterns that we used to run to to make us feel better. But now we realize in the light of Christ and what he's done for us, those things, those functional saviors cannot help us any longer. They, they don't last. And so until we come to the place where we say, hmm, okay, what is Jesus saying here? Take up the cross and follow me. What does this mean? The passage has everything to do with dying to ourselves. See, the apostle Paul understood this. It wasn't about him, but it was about Christ living in him. It, wasn't, it, it was about pleasing Christ, not himself, and doing things that were in obedience to Jesus. I want you to listen to what Paul says, because Paul, here, here Paul was a prideful man before Christ. He was very smart. He was a Pharisee, um, very well respected. Um, and then he comes to Christ and everything changes. He, he is stripped of his old life. And who he is. And his pride. And what he took pride in in himself. And and Christ stripped him of all that. I want you to listen to Paul's words here. Paul writes to the Galatians and he says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. I have died to myself. It's been crucified with Christ. My sin, my past life is hanging on the cross with Christ Jesus. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He goes on and says to the Corinthians, he says, I protest, uh, I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our, our Lord. I die every day. How, how many of you know that our old, we can be walking the Lord, and all of a sudden that old man, that old woman, tends to creep up sometimes and catch us by surprise. Does, have you ever, have that ever happened? When you get in a real tense situation, all of a sudden you lose it, and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? It's that old flesh that creeps up. Paul understood this. And he said, that's why I have to die to myself every day. If we are not careful and if we are not yielded to the spirit, how many know that that flesh, that old man is going to creep up and bite you? And that's why Paul said, it's a daily dying to myself. It's a battle against my old desires and my selfishness that can easily creep in if I'm not careful and I'm not obedient to the Lord. See, Paul faced death all the time. And he would have never given his life for Christ if he didn't realize that Jesus conquered sin and death through the cross and through the resurrection. And so what Paul did is he looked at his life as a daily dying to himself. He says this to the Philippians in the church in Philippi. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Once again, living to myself, dying in Christ, that is my gain. 
I like what he says here in Acts. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So here's the key. The key is dying to yourself. Paul understood that. Paul understood his old nature. Paul understood how easy that could creep back into his life. And there's this daily dying. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't Paul anymore. It was Paul in Christ, allowing Christ to live through him. Now, here's the thing we're going to dive into. How many know that it, it, we struggle with that? And we're going to struggle with it until we go to heaven. And we're going to talk about how, how do we walk in this newness of Christ and continue to walk in freedom and not let my old life creep up and take over again in my heart. How, how can we do this? We're going, to, we're going to talk about this in a minute. And so I, I, I want to look at how, how does God continue his work in our lives so that we're, we're consistently growing in him and we're, we're not allowing our past in those old patterns to take control of our life. And, and here's the difference. The, the, the difference and the answer to fulfillment in your, in your life is not finding it in yourself or trying to love myself more or all this, uh, all this other stuff, nonsense that we hear in, hear in our world today. But the difference is this. The answer to a fulfilled life is sanctification. Now, now sanctification is a big you know, maybe Bible word, but let, let me break down what sanctification is because here's what makes the difference. And this is what Paul understood. Paul understood that Christ was sanctifying him daily by his obedience to Jesus Christ. And I want to give you three just quick elements of what sanctification is and, and, and how, how God works this into our life. And this first area that we see in sanctification through the word of God is this personal uh, sanctification that works through this positional sanctification, which means to be made right before God through Christ. And what positional sanctification is, is basically when we come to Christ, we are sanctified unto God or made positionally right before God. So if I were to die today, I knew that I would be in the presence of the Lord. Positionally, I am now made right before God by what Christ Jesus has done for me. So now we've, there's this transition from being, Paul says, of enemies of God to actually being friends with God. So there's this new position that I now have with Jesus. We are friends of God through what Jesus did for us. So positionally, I'm made righteous not because of my works, but because of Jesus' works. Jesus has done everything for us. So by me putting my faith in Christ and his works because he was perfect, now I'm made positionally right before God that we are holy before God, that we are righteous before God in Christ Jesus. In myself, I can never be made right before God. I need help. How many of you need help today? We all need help, right? And Jesus is the only one that can do, us for, do that for us. So positionally, we are made right. Because of Christ and his righteousness, we're made righteous, which means we can now stand before a holy God and not be condemned. Amen? It's a great place to be. The, the second part of sanctification is this progressive sanctification. Um, this is where each and every one of us, we are a work in progress. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a work in progress, all right? 
All right, don't have too much fun with that, okay, spouses? All right, so we're a work in progress. See, progressive sanctification is this ongoing process whereby God continues to work on us and bring us closer to him. It's not me doing the work, but it's God doing the work in me. So as I daily die to myself, right? As I daily seek the Lord, God is continually doing his work in me. And the more obedient I become to to Christ, the more God works that process of sanctification. Hopefully, as we progress in our relationship with Christ, we can look at our lives a year ago or two years ago or three years ago, and hopefully we're growing. Hopefully we're like, man, I used to do that, or I used to get really upset about things, or I used to really lose my temper. But for some reason, that doesn't have a big hold on my life as much. That's the Holy Spirit. That's God doing his work in you. That's the progressive sanctification of God continually doing and making his work in you and making us more like Christ. And through the fruit of the Spirit that dwells within us, um, we can submit that to the Lord and continually obey him. And hopefully we see growth in our life. And that's the good news. That's the wonderful thing about having a relationship with Christ, that it's Christ doing that work within us. And so those times where we feel the flesh rearing its ugly head or the times we mess up, those are opportunities to lay those at at the Lord's feet and just say, man, Jesus, you're still working on that. You know, and there are times that I have to have honest conversations with my wife, Kathleen. And we had a real honest conversation the other week and just talking. I go, Kathleen, there's a part that I got to keep working on that. I got to work on that. And for some reason, when we we admit that to the Lord, that there are areas in our life that we need to work on, that's when God does his best work because we're humbling ourselves before him and realizing, hey, this is an area that, that I need to work on. And I think just admitting that and confessing that helps God's sanctification to be realized within our lives. And I think sometimes we, through our pride, we don't want to admit that we have shortcomings. Sanctification is not going to work in your life. The the progressive sanctification will not work in your life if pride is there. Pride will keep God from, from doing things in your heart to keep moving you forward in him. So as we lay our pride down and we realize, because listen, all of us have, we all are dysfunctional in some way. We're all jacked up, aren't we? We all got our problems, don't we? And so, but when we admit those things and we confess those things, that those are things that I need to work on, we allow God permission to continue to work in our hearts and our lives, to work on those areas and those shortcomings in our lives that that we need to glorify Christ in by giving uh, it to him. And so, once again, it's not doing the work Uh, myself, but it's God doing the work in me. I like what Nathan Bingham says here. It says, God's method of sanctification is neither activism, self-reliant activity, nor apathy, which is just God-reliant passivity, passivity, but a human effort dependent on God. It's it's not just, it's not just, you know, uh, just the self-reliant activity and, you know, just whatever, or this passivity where, I just don't really care. But it's really this human effort where I say, God, I I need to be completely dependent on you daily. And then the third work of sanctification is this complete sanctification. And this is is the good news because we will be complete when we get to heaven. Aren't you excited about that? We will be complete when we get to heaven. We'll no longer struggle with temptation 
and sin and those things that drag us down, we will be like Jesus. We will be complete in him. John, First uh, John 3, 2 says this, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. See, that, that's what God wants to do in our hearts. He, he wants to, there's this positional where we're made righteous before God. Thank God for that. That even in all my flaws, that if I were to die today, I know that I could stand before a holy God, not condemned. That God is still working on us through progressive sanctification. And then one day that work is going to be completed. Those things that were destroyed by sin because of the fall, God is going to now restore those things no more broken relationships no more fighting no more people cutting you off on 104 right none of that stuff right um that's going to be gone we're going to be complete in christ jesus and that's something to look forward to so listen all this is a dress rehearsal right now and we have opportunities every single day in our lives to allow christ to work in us We have opportunities every day when someone irritates us, when someone ticks us off. There's an opportunity to say, okay, God, I can either A, do what I used to do, or I can B, submit this to you. And guess what? Now in Christ Jesus, we have the ability to not give into our flesh anymore. That we can actually say, you know, I can let this go. I can let this go. I don't have to get angry anymore. I don't have to lose my temper anymore. I, 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 can, I, I can let this I can let this go. Jesus, give me help here. And, and when you do blow it, because we're all going to blow it, it's a great opportunity to humble yourself and say, God, you still got to work on me here. I, I, I messed up. Thank you for your forgiveness. Uh, this is an area I got to work on, Lord, and it's something that we can continue to submit to the Lord in daily prayer and allow that progressive sanctification to work in our hearts. So what, what are the things in your life that you need to die to? What are the things in your life that you need to die to? You know, what are some things in your life that you know have captivated your heart and you know you're struggling with? I mean, maybe it's pride. Maybe it's your patience. Maybe it's past hangups. Maybe it's, it's, it's bitterness or unforgiveness that you have for someone. Um, what are those things? Maybe it's selfishness. It's, it's, it's looking out for my own needs. What are the things that you need to die for? And here's where I would encourage you. Those things that you know you're, you're, you're struggling with, those are the things that you lay at the foot of the cross. Those are the things you say, God, here are the things that I'm really struggling with, and I need to die to those things today. You know, when you have your, you wake up and, and you have that daily talk with the Lord the moment you wake up, just say, God, this is the day that you've given me. And I know I'm going to struggle with some things today. Can I first die to myself so that I can live for you today? That's a great way to start your day. It's just to die to yourself and say, God, I know there are going to be things that are going to want to appeal to my flesh and to my old nature, but I have you living in me today. And this is a day that I can give to you. Help me to live for you today. And help me to die to the things. The, the neat thing about a relationship with God is that God would always put us in situations to help us grow. 
Wouldn't it be great if we never had any resistance or were never put in any situations? How many know we'd never grow then? We would never grow in our walk with the Lord. But God will put us in situations to help us grow. Let me read you this. I love this verse in Ephesians. um, Because Paul just, as he writes to the church in Ephesus, he just gives them a clear view of what their life before Christ looks like and what their life after Christ looks for and it looks like. And let me read to you. I just love these verses in Ephesians chapter 2. He says this. Paul says, and he's just, just think of it this way. As we read this, read it to, as if Paul were writing it directly to you. Just think of it this way. Listen to the words. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Can we all say amen? Right? He says, you used to live in sin. He says, like the rest of the world. Used to live obeying the devil and the commands and the power of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. He says, all of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and the inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Everybody say, but. But here's the new life. He says, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life He raised Christ from the dead, and it's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and seated us with him in heavenly realms, because we are now united with Christ. That's the new person. That's the person that is free in the Lord. You are no longer defined by your past. Even though you might still have struggles with your old past from time to time, that still doesn't define who you are in Christ. And some of you, you're walking around and you're still defeated by your past or your past thoughts or the things you did. And you're not finding that freedom in Christ because you're allowing that old man to rule over you. No longer when you are in Christ, that old man, that old woman can rule over us. Do we still struggle? Absolutely. But positionally, everything has changed. Positionally, we are now righteous in Christ. That God is still working on us through progressive sanctification. And that one day we will never struggle with that thing again. And so my hope for you is that you will get a clear vision of who you are, where you came from, and where Christ wants to take you. And he will take you by us daily dying to ourselves, laying our pride down, those things that held us captive, and giving them to the Lord so that we can now walk in that freedom that Christ desires for each and every one of you here today. So I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what's holding you back. I don't know what hang-ups you have here today. But Jesus can deal with our hang-ups today. I don't know if it's an identity hang-up, whatever it may be. Man, listen, we live in this world. We're constantly faced with the temptation and trying to better ourselves. And, and we read stuff on Facebook of our friends and their kids are perfect and everything's wonderful and they just got a raise and they, they you know, just got back from a trip from Hawaii and they might have the coronavirus. No, I'm just saying whatever it might be. All right. So listen, listen, we all struggle with that, but let's find our identity in Christ.
Let's find it in him. Keep reading this verse every single day this week. Read this verse in Ephesians to yourself every single day to encourage yourself and who you are in Christ Jesus and allow the freedom of Christ to rule and reign in your life. Amen? Amen? All right, let me pray for you guys today and let's ask the Lord just to to help us in these things. Father God, we want to thank you for just sending Jesus. And we know that we can't find purpose and freedom in ourselves because within ourselves are so many flawed things. But Christ in us changes everything. And we have a newfound freedom that overcomes our old nature. And even though we struggle with that nature, we have a way of escape through Christ Jesus who helps us to overcome each and every day. Thank you, Jesus, that you can deal with our hangups, that you can deal with our flaws. But Lord, help us to give those things to you, to, to set pride aside, to, to allow us to confess those things to you that, that, that we need to, to work on, God, because when we do that, we allow your, your sanctification to continue to work in our hearts and our lives. So we thank you for Jesus today. And I pray for anyone here today that's just struggling with their past, struggling with their identity in you, and just maybe condemning thoughts or maybe feeling like they're just not good enough in you. Jesus, I pray that you would set them free from that and that they would find their freedom in you. That you are a loving, as Paul said, a loving, merciful God who takes joy in his children, who takes joy in seeing us come to him and laying down our needs before him. You desire to have that closeness of relationship with us. Thank you that you are a perfect Abba Father. You're so good that you tell us to come running in your arms, that you will no wise cast us out. We bring you all our shortcomings and all our sin, Lord, and we just lay them at your feet, and we thank you that you can handle it, and you don't push us away but you do just the opposite. You grab us, you take hold of us, and you cleanse us. Thank you for being a perfect father to us, a perfect God in every way. And so we love you, we thank you, and we just want to be careful to ask all these things in your son's wonderful name. In your son's wonderful name. And all God's children said, amen. Can we thank him for his word today? God is good. God is good. Amen. Amen. Let me just, uh, before I let you go into the sunshine today, um, just a, a couple things. Uh, don't forget, those of you who are, are members of our church, we have our annual business meeting coming up Wednesday, uh, March 18th. And I really need you here. It's, it's a quorum thing. If we don't have enough, we can't have an official meeting. So we need you here. And we'll go over all the stuff last year and love to have you here and, and be part of that as your responsibility of being a member. You'll get a letter. If you get a letter, you're a member. So you need to come and uh, you'll be getting that in the mail pretty soon. And uh, so, so we'd love to have you here. And then what's the other thing? Um, what's that? Daylight saving. Yeah, that's right. Don't forget next Sunday is already daylight saving. That's kind of exciting. It's not exciting that we lose an hour of sleep, but it is exciting that spring is on its way. So don't forget daylight saving. So you got to do what? Spring ahead. Okay, spring ahead. So if you come an hour late, I will embarrass you. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Amen. So you guys have a great day. We love you. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. God bless you.